الجزيرة بودكاست When Felix Marediaga recently got on a plane from his native Nicaragua to the United States, it meant he was about to be reunited with his family after three long years. I knew that I was going to see them finally. Felix is a former presidential candidate in Nicaragua, who was also a political prisoner in the country until this happened last month. 222 political prisoners from Nicaragua aboard this flight, touching down on U.S. soil after the country's leader, Daniel Ortega, decided to set them free. But what Felix and the rest of the people on that flight didn't know is that their freedom came at a cost. Their nationality. All of them and dozens of other Nicaraguans were stripped of their citizenship by a government that has become increasingly authoritarian. It's a move the United Nations has called illegal. But will it really silence Nicaragua's opposition? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. In total, the Nicaraguan government has stripped citizenship of more than 300 political opponents in recent weeks. Legal experts say they've never seen citizenship used as a political weapon on this scale before, at least in Latin America. And Felix Maradiaga, who was one of the 222 deported to the U.S. and forced into exile on February 9th, told me the whole operation was shrouded in secrecy. The guards came to our cell, didn't tell us where we were going, but we supposed to another prison or at least to our house under house arrest. Mm-hmm. We jumped into a bus, handcuffed with our heads looking down. The windows were completely shut down with dark blankets so we could not see from the outside. But what we could not imagine is that we were arriving at the Managua airport. We were asked to sign a paper with a one-liner saying that we voluntarily leave the country. So I just gave a kiss to the ground, boarded the plane, and sang the national anthem of my country and and started to pray. Oh, wow. I can imagine that must have felt like such a whirlwind. When you got that piece of paper to sign, what was your immediate reaction? Did you know what you were signing? I knew what I was signing because it was very clear. You're you know, in a tarmac and you see an airplane in front of you. So we knew that we were going to be expelled from the country. But what they didn't know was that they were also about to be stripped of their citizenship. Though Felix says that looking back, something that happened when he was arrested in 2021 might have been a sign of what was to come. This is an interesting story. When I was arrested, I was severely beaten. Um, and I remember that my first interrogation, one of the questions that I asked is about my rights. I say I have the rights to a lawyer and you're not supposed to exercise violence against myself. And they say something very interesting that kept in my head. They say, you are a traitor to the country. We will not treat you as a national citizen. We will treat you as a militia person, as a mercenary. Wow. So those words of my interrogator years before, in a way, signaled that they were going to use exile as one of their options. But it was a vague idea. I I didn't have any idea that was going to actually happen within the next 20 months. And the reason he had no idea had a lot to do with the nature of his time in jail. 
Felix was arrested in 2021. He says it happened because he ran against President Daniel Ortega in Nicaragua's elections that year. The authorities, meanwhile, said he was being investigated for allegedly inciting interference in Nicaragua's affairs and organizing terrorist acts with financing from foreign powers. And Felix wasn't the only one. Opponents of Nicaragua's President Daniel Ortega and his wife Rosario Murillo, the vice president, are dropping like flies. A total of seven other candidates running against Ortega in 2021 were also arrested, all on vague treason charges. It pretty much killed the competitiveness of the election. Until his release a few weeks ago, Felix had spent 611 days in jail. But it gets worse. Out of those 611 days, I was in solitary confinement for 77 days, isolated from any other contact from the outside world. Prison conditions were very hard. We were never allowed access to our lawyer. Even the trial took place inside the prison. Mm. Uh, I was never allowed a phone call, letters, not even a drawing from my then six-year-old daughter, whom I had not seen for years. Did you have any idea how long you might be there? At the time, were you thinking this is temporary? We had no idea. Ortega had changed the penal code in Nicaragua to develop severe sanctions against the opposition, some of them as hard as life sentences. Nicaragua's penal code prior to the Ortega regime had at the maximum 30-year sentences. So the fact that they had already approved a life sentence as an option, you can imagine what goes through the mind of a prisoner. And we were told constantly by our interrogators, by the police, by those who were persecuting us that life sentences were an option. Daniel Ortega started his life in politics as a member of the Sandinista National Liberation Front in the 60s. He first became president of Nicaragua in 1985. Ortega's Sandinista guerrillas were credited with bringing down the Somoza family dictatorship in Nicaragua. Ortega was also credited as someone who brought down U.S.-sponsored rebels. Ortega was fighting against the U.S.-backed anti-socialist Contra militias. Ortega lost the presidency in the 1990 election, but won it back in 2006. In 2014, his National Assembly passed constitutional amendments that eliminated term limits for the presidency. Since then, he stayed in power and cracked down brutally on dissent and opposition, like in the 2021 election, which is why Felix says he was almost expecting a life sentence. So when we received a 13 years sentence, as strange as it sounds, was sort of a release because we knew that a 13-year sentence in a way could a starting point probably for an eventual political negotiation. But we thought that we were going to be there for a long, long time. And yet, despite now being free, the fact that it's come at the cost of their citizenship is a blow. One that came through a reform in the National Assembly that allowed the government to strip them of their nationality. The United Nations Refugee Agency said the move runs contrary to Nicaragua's human rights obligations, while the Nicaraguan Center for Human Rights called it absurd and illegal. Felix agrees. I think it's not legal. It it, it did not respond to the legal process. 
this will be of great significance if we were under the rule of law, but Ortega clearly is not someone that respects such rules. Mm. Based on what we've been told by experts, this is unheard of. The scale, the way in which our nationality has been removed, the fact that it has been done through constitutional reform, stripping us from our nationality is unprecedented. Felix and his fellow 221 plane passengers are now essentially stateless in the United States. Another 94 were stripped of their citizenship in another decision a few days later. Some were already out of the country, but all of them are figuring out what it now means for them. It's something I asked Felix about. What does the idea of losing your nationality mean to you on a personal level? For me, it doesn't have any emotional or mental impact because my nationality is not dictated by a passport. The passport is issued by an illegitimate government and therefore those laws that were passed is stripping us from our nationality do not have any emotional or spiritual, so to speak, impact in, in me. However, it does have a practical implication I don't, do not have a passport and I'm not allowed to go back to the country anytime soon. And for the 222 stateless Nicaraguans now in the U.S., there are also practical implications based on how they're classified by the U.S. government, who facilitated their arrival in the U.S. They're now in the country on what's called humanitarian parole, rather than as refugees, which means they won't have access to a lot of rights and benefits including a clearer path to permanent residency. Other countries, Spain, Mexico, Colombia, Chile, and Argentina, have all offered citizenship to the exiled. But Felix wants to fight for his Nicaraguan identity. We are deeply grateful by the many governments who have offered a nationality. Would I accept that option or no? I think that it's too early to tell if I can say the way I feel right now. I think that as a matter of principle, I'd rather stay stateless rather than taking other nationality right now because we want to take this case to the international courts. And as much as I appreciate the fact that many countries open their doors for us as politically persecuted persons to come, my commitment is to my country. And my commitment with my country, it's not something short term. It's a, it's a life commitment. After the break, will Nicaragua's unprecedented move lead to other countries using citizenship as a political weapon? I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, a dramatized podcast from Al Jazeera. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. Twenty eighteen was a turning point in Nicaraguan history. Changes President Ortega wanted to make to the country's social security system sparked mass protests led by a wide cross section of people farmers, students, and human rights activists. <laughs> 
This protest is bigger than all of the rest, because people have grown tired. They're playing around with the pockets of the Nicaraguan people. This protest is about being tired. We are all sick of being so badly abused. But Ortega's response to the protests was brutal, leading to extended violence, hundreds of deaths, and an exodus of more than 100,000 Nicaraguans fleeing the country. The protest turned violent after a government crackdown, and more than 300 people, nearly all of them civilians, have since died in fighting on the street. The street battles are explosive through long nights and hot summer days. Felix Maradiaga, the activist and former presidential candidate we've been speaking to, says he and others only entered politics after the repression of the 2018 protests. Seeing that demonstrations in the streets weren't an option, Felix says they felt that becoming the political opposition was the only remaining way to affect change. What we tried to do as activists and some of us as candidates in a primary election was to restore democracy through a nonviolent process. We were in the middle of a primary election to select a unified candidate to face him in the elections of 2021. But that, of course, was squashed as well, with Felix and other major candidates all being thrown in jail. And that's why Felix believes this latest move to exile him and more than 300 other Nicaraguans fits right into the Ortega playbook. I think that his immediate goal was to block the possibilities of a unified opposition. For years, Ortega was able to consolidate his regime precisely because of the fragmentation of the opposition. There were many of us, such as myself, that have been for years part of the anti-Sandinista movement, where there were other people that were trying to give him a second chance. So using those type of divisions allowed him to consolidate his regime Felix says that changed in 2021. When the opposition was finally coming together, he knew that he didn't have any chances to win an election. And that's why he put us all in prison. Then he sent us out of the country in this new condition of a stateless people because he wants to build upon his narrative that the protests in Nicaragua were not spontaneous that the Nicaraguan opposition is the design of foreign organizations such as the UN, the European Union, and mostly the United States. They couldn't find any single proof of that. And Felix says there's an irony in the fact that Ortega put what had otherwise been a spontaneous collection of political opposition onto that plane together in February. When the, the plane took off, we were all singing the national anthem, praying, and talking to all these other wonderful people that we had not met before. Some of them were in prison even before I was arrested, so I had advocated for their freedom. I spoke in front of the UN Security Council in 2018 to advocate for the freedom of all these people that had been arrested even before me, and suddenly they're boarding the same plane with me. So you can imagine how emotional it was. I felt like I was riding with brothers and sisters. Oh, wow. But it was the first time that we could actually see each other. Contrary to what Ortega says, the civil rights movement in Nicaragua has been very spontaneous. We are not the organized force that he argues that we are. We knew each other by name, but we had never worked together 
So it was an opportunity to hear stories, to hug each other, to pray, and to share this very personal journey together. And yet, despite that energy, there's the possibility that Ortega's new political tool, stripping the citizenship of his opponents, is something that could happen more, not just in Nicaragua, but across the region. It's something I asked Felix about. Do you think that this might be taken as a model for other governments in Latin America who see this as a way to retaliate or to respond to their political opponents? Um, I worry that that could happen. Uh, dictators are becoming very sophisticated. They are no longer the classical dictatorships of the 1960s, 1970s, where they used military structures, tanks, and soldiers to exercise their power. Now they're using social media. They're using the facade of democracy to pretend that they're having elections and so on. So I think that dictators learn from each other. Authoritarian regimes learn from each other. And I'd like to give a different response, but I think that that is a big possibility that autocrats uh, may learn from this new measure implemented by Ortega. And that's why the world needs to unite against these types of attitudes. When you look back over your work in Nicaragua, the prison stint, the exile, was it worth it? Oh, that's a tough one, Malika. Um, I was not prepared for all that suffering. Uh, as much as I can tell you uh, that I had spoken with political prisoners from around the world, so my work as a academic and my work as a pro-democracy activist from a professional standpoint doesn't prepare you for this experience at a personal level. But at a principle, I needed to stay in Nicaragua. At a principle, I needed to be there to support the dreams and aspiration of those Nicaraguans who believed in a dream of free and a fair Nicaragua. But nothing prepares you to go through, through prison. And Felix says his time in prison gave him a new perspective on how to heal his country. Prison should not be something that people should suffer only because of their political ideas. However, it's an experience that I think made me stronger in terms of my commitment to a democratic country. It made me stronger in my faith and also on the importance of healing our own wounds because Ortega was a political prisoner in the past and he became the thing he hated the most. So I think that when we try to respond to the challenges of politics out of anger, we betray our principles. So my commitment is that that prison would not damage my heart, my faith, my commitment to nonviolence, my love for my country, and my capacity to forgive even those who put me into prison. Because I think that we need that type of attitude if you want to break the cycle of violence. And that's The Take. Special thanks to David Adams and Berta Valle. This episode was produced by Ashish Malhotra with Chloe Kaylee, Nagin Oliai, Miranda Lynn, Amy Walters, Khaled Sultan, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Andy Greiner and Adam Abugad. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. 
We'll be back on Friday.